We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. It is Friday. You know what that means? It is a Mike Wall Friday. And joining me, of course, is the one and only Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Wall sixty eight. Mike, what is good, and how the heck is Austin, Texas? Warm. It's warm for the first time in a couple of days. Good to see you, Andy. Uh, yeah, we, we're getting a little bit of a warm front after a two-week cold front. It was rainy and miserable, so I was just telling you off, off air, put the shorts back on again. I know uh, I know the wife really likes that. Was there, was there ever <laughs> an inkling uh, when you came to Green Bay, Wisconsin, that uh, Green Bay could have been your forever home? Um. You know, it's interesting. Well, not when I was first, not when I first got there, because I was a West Coast kid. And then we, my, you know, my wife and I, after we spent one off season there, and it was negative nineteen every day, and so that was that was one was enough. Uh, and then we moved to we lived in Vegas in the off season for like five years, and I, I, yeah, we absolutely loved it, and we got to train out there, and that that whole like you know that whole dichotomy of being able to come and play in Green Bay, Wisconsin, but then go tr- like just put all your focus and energy and effort in somewhere else training as hard as you can to get ready. Like I really love that system, but I'll tell, I will say this as we've got older and we had kids. Um, if for some reason I, I was ever called back to Green Bay, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, we would have been very, very happy to go. We really liked it there. 
Yeah, it's a really nice town. It is really freaking cold. And uh, I am very jealous of your Austin, Texas weather. I can promise you that. We had a lot. We have a lot to go over. I want to talk uh, a lot today about offensive line because I think there's some really fun stuff to discuss. But before we jump into everything, uh, I just want to get your overall takeaway. Uh, you know, takeaways from Packers Bears. Uh, was this? I kind of took it away, and not to be a, a Grinch here, but I kind of took it as a, a bad team that beat a worse team. Um, yes. There were certainly some positive takeaways, but what, what were your overall uh, gut reactions from that game? I would echo your sentiment for sure. That was a bad game. Uh, it was. It's always good to get a win, and it's very like. Yep. It's very, very hard to win in the National Football League. I mean, that's cliche, but it, it is very hard to win in the National Football League. If you watch this, I, I'll go back and I'll watch the tape and you'll watch all the offense and then you'll watch all the defense separately. And if you just took out the, the touchdown, play, like if you took out both of Christian Watson's touchdown plays, you'd, or and, you, and even if you took out the you know, Justin Fields' touchdown plays, you'd go, oh, the Bears beat us handily. It, went, it didn't look like much of a game on until, you know, towards the end, obviously, and it's it's interesting, you know, Andy. It's, what's been most interesting about this season, and this is something I, I I'm just kind of as I jot down notes from for our show, or just in general, just thinking about the NFL. We the inability to fix problems is is crazy across the National Football League. It's crazy in Green Bay right now, and you start you know you start asking, okay, where we go? What are we good at? What do we get better at? Is it a personnel problem? Is it a coaching problem? Like. This isn't a bad team on paper, and it's nuts that they haven't played as well as they sh- as everybody thinks they should. And it's probably easier to leave it at that, right? It is, and you know, it's something we've been kind of on all season. And I give so much credit to you because I distinctly remember having a conversation a year ago, a year ago with you. It may have actually been offline. I don't have to actually remember if we did it on camera or not. Um, but when you talked about the special teams last year and kind of saying we knew the special teams was an issue at the beginning of the season. And here we are at the end of the season and the special teams is still an issue and nothing has improved. And at the end of the day, that comes down to coaching and, you know, fixing the problems that you have and they never fixed it. And of course it ended up being what cost them the season last year in large part in that game against the 49ers. Uh, But you were on it then even with the special teams issues. And now it's really carried over into this season where the stuff that's been bothering this team since week one against the Vikings is still bothering this team in week 13 against the bears. And that's a little bit disconcerting and disheartening at times. That it's a culture issue to me. And I'm, I'm hypersensitive about it um, for a number of reasons. One, I got to play in green Bay, Wisconsin. And then I, I, and then I left green Bay, Wisconsin and the Packers organization back then with Mike Sherman at the helm and Mike Cormoran before him. And, and we had that, I know we had that, that one year um, <clears throat> in between, but the difference between that and then going down and playing for the Carolina Panthers with, with an owner, with the, with the, with the head coach that was there and the culture that was in that building, the disparity between the two was so vast that it really is, it was really eye opening. And then to do it again, going in as off, not as a player, but as a coach and a performance specialist and working in various buildings and seeing the cultures around and how, and how those cultures affect the development of players across not only the season, but their entire careers. I, I'm like hypersensitive to that, uh, just, you know, for whatever reason. So it speaks to me and like without, this is an indictment or, or maybe it is, but 
like I said it last year, it speaks to me about the culture that they're putting forth in the building that they can't fix problems from week to week, from month to month, from year to year. And I, when I, again, if you went, and I'm sure you've done this on your podcast, but if you go down and write down all the problems on this team, like it's not going to be personnel issues. Like you could, you could probably point to what backup outside linebacker, tight end safety. That's pro- I mean, honestly, that's probably it. You could go, okay, we could use this and that, but like you like, what do we really need to get better? Probably three positions out of 22. And one yeah. of them is a backup. You know what I mean? So to maybe two two starters, you really just know need to go, like, we need to get this position short up, and that's it. And so you, you start going, well, if that's the case, why aren't we better? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think everyone, if they could have wrote down their expectations prior to season, not just team-wide, but personnel-wide, you know, player by player. Um, I've said this for a few weeks now. It's really tough handpicking the players who are overachieving this season, which I always equate to coaching as well. And Keyshawn Nixon, uh, Rudy Ford, probably overshooting what we expected out of them coming into the season. A lot of that's just because we hadn't had experience with either of them. We were just kind of expecting special teams players, and both of them have been um, at least pleasant surprises on defense. And then it starts getting tough. Um, Again, some of the rookies, surely Christian Watson's been a very pleasant surprise over the last handful of weeks. Um, you, you get into a JJ and Igbare and a, you know, Zach Tom for late round picks in their rookie seasons, maybe a couple of those guys, but like, it gets very, very difficult to go, you know, player by player and be like, yep, this guy is, you know, well above or even above. And a lot of times even at the expectations that I would have had for them going into the season. And again, that's just another one of those disconcerting things where players aren't performing up to the level that we've seen. Like, it's not like, it's not like some of these rookies where we had super high expectations of Devontae Wyatt and it just hasn't developed yet, which is mm-hmm. one thing. But mm-hmm. like everyone else, we have seen it. We've seen Jair Alexander have amazing seasons. We've seen Rodgers have amazing seasons and Jones and Dylan and Jenkins and like all of these got Kenny Clark and to Devondre Campbell. We could so go on and on, but like to not see it um, this year from any of those guys is, again, it's just, uh, it's frustrating. It's a great point. It's a great point. I, I would... I kind of look at I look at it the same way. Um, what's interesting, I think, if you if you start diving down into it, I know, and I know I know you do your own grading system when you when you watch these games and, and you grade individual players. And if you went back and you started looking at, you know, let's I pick, you pick a name on defense that hasn't performed up to expectation, you start figuring out, okay, why is it? You know, is it a is it a is it a physical limitation that they have? Is it a technical limitation? That or is it a football intelligence limitation they have? And by football intelligence, I mean you don't understand the scheme, you don't understand you're getting beat conceptually, or you're or you're miscommunicating. Like it's gonna be one of those three things, right? And you can kind of live with the first one, you can't live with the second two. Right. Right? You can't live with and I so and I would say I think the frustrating part is we don't see people getting beat because they're not physically capable of winning more often than not. I think that, like, to me, it's – and you, you spoke about Nanak Bari. Like, this last game is a perfect example. that He's getting railroaded by the pulling guard. And he's had a good – I I not – he's going to develop. But he's getting railroaded by the guard on multiple occasions. Why? Well, because they teach a box technique, and he, he's not strong enough to take that on the way they teach it. And it's very simple. We've been talking about it all year. But he gets railroaded twice in the game. It's like highlight film for the other guy. And it it doesn't make sense mechanically. It doesn't make sense from a leverage standpoint. Like, none of it makes sense. But we keep doing it. We don't learn from mistakes. Interesting. 
Very interesting. No, noteworthy, uh, very much. I thought this was probably his toughest game. Um, like you said, a couple of times he ends up getting just absolutely pancaked, uh, but he'll learn from it. I think he'll get better and hopefully like somebody that probably needs to put on strength in the off season to be able to hold up a little bit better in those situations. But like you said, if a guy's not capable of doing it with the way that they're asking him to doing it, then you got to change something, doing the same thing over and over. Again, definition of insanity in that situation. But let's try to go to something positive. I'm, I'm thinking it is, but I wanted your impressions of Zach Tom in this game. Certainly not a perfect performance, but um, I thought there were some signs from Zach Tom uh, that uh, at least of improvement and just kind of some ways that he hung in there in this game, albeit against a, a Bears front that's not exactly full of Robert Quinn's and uh, Khalil Max anymore. Yeah, it's 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 always tough when you're just kind of, when you just start staring at a game without really digging into it, because this bears front is not very good. No. And they have to, because they're not very good. They have to, gosh, darn it with this uh, camera. Sorry about that, Eddie. Yeah, I'll get you. It, they have to move it or they have to move around their guys a lot. And so they, you know, it's kind of feast or famine on the offensive line. If you are able to cut off the slants and cut off all their studs, there's going to be huge holes in the running game. There's opportunities in the pass game. It actually takes away from their ability to pass rush because they're having to move over an entire gap, which, you know, basically essentially takes away their natural rhythm and pass rushing. I thought Zach Tom, like he, he just continues to look like a player with proper coaching and a couple, and a, and a couple years in the weight room. He seems to look like a player that can play at a high level as a starting left tackle, left guard. You fill in the blank. There's some things that there, there's some things that he needs to improve on, but he's a rookie. And again, the expectation, at least on my end, just because of his physical attributes and where he's coming from, coming from an ACC school, but not a powerhouse. So it kind of tells you a story about what he probably came in looking like and where he's at now. And so what he has to do to get through, like that all tells a story to me. Yep. And I'm excited about his future for sure. But there, you know, certainly just even starting with his stance, there's things where you go, okay, you're kind of putting yourself, you know, technically behind the eight ball, just the way you're even lining up. So Hopefully a couple, you know, in six months from now, eight months from now, depending on the other decisions they have to make, you know, he'll, I, he, I would be shocked if he's not in line for a starting position next year. Totally agreed. I, I would be shocked if he's not a starter next year as well. And I think it's got to be tough for him when you talk about some of the stance and the technique is like, you, like I'm fairly positive at, he's lined up at every single position at some point this season for the pack, not on the field, but in practice, training camps, OTAs, mini camps, everything. I think he's actually lined up at all five positions. I know for sure, I'm almost positive it's been all five. So the fact that he's moved to, to left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, didn't find out until late last week that he was going to be filling in at left tackle for David Bakhtiari. Um, that's tough for a guy that's coming into the league, like you said, from a non-powerhouse school, uh, day three draft pick, not doesn't have the full, uh, kind of like Inigbari, full uh, benefit of a you know off-season NFL program under his belt and needs a little bit of functional strength added. But Man, the, the things that he does do, his agility, um, I, I really love his recognition on twists and stunts and picking up blitzes. Like, he just seems to have a very high football IQ, and I'm really excited about him moving forward. Yeah, he, he just does things. If you're just watching him casually, you just go, oh, he's, he's a natural athlete. He just kind of – he makes a lot of the – he makes the easy stuff look easy, right? Like, he can roll his hips. He's, he doesn't try to get too wide in his stance. One thing that's great about him that you see a lot, like a lot of coaches do this offensive lineman, especially tackles, they, they job them a little bit and they'll say, oh, you have to have these 12 different sets and you got a flat set and you got an angle set and you got a leap set and you got a line set. And because he's young, he's just doing this one thing. Like, I'm just going to go do my set and I'm going to act like there's a three technique there so I don't get beat on the TEs every time. And I'm just going to deal with it so he doesn't have to over 
think all these different ways that he can attack this player. And that puts him, honestly, that actually accelerates in an incredible rate that people don't think about. Because you go, if you go and watch every tackle in the league, when they get beat, they usually get beat because they're going off script. They usually get beat because, oh, I, I tried to jump the guy and he, he dove inside. Oh, I tried to angle set the guy and he made an inside move or hit me on the inside swipe and I couldn't get, I couldn't redirect fast enough. Or he beat me outside and I left and I and I gave him a, a short corner because I took the wrong set. Like in other words, I was trying to fool him, but really I'm the one that's out of rhythm. And because the, those defensive ends, like Anikbari run are so fast off the edge now, like that's really the consideration you have to have when you're dealing with a, with, with a lot of these high level guys. And him being a young guy and not trying to mix it up all the time, I think he's actually done him a, a service. Do you have a feel, and obviously a lot of it's going to depend on who's back for this team next season. Do you have a feel of just like kind of looking at him, what you think ultimately his best position is? Um, yeah, that's interesting. So I, I kind of think tackle. Um, too. I, I used I used to say I used to say guard because it was kind of an easy default comment, but I just don't know that. Like he would have to gain a lot of strength and weight to be a guard. I agree. And I just don't know if he's like, I, I, you know, like the, the uh, Larry Bechtel uh, came in my third year and demanded that I gain 20 pounds because Steve Hutchinson was getting drafted. He was six, five, three fifteen, And I gained, I gained like 18 pounds and I sucked. I couldn't move. It, just, I, like it was too much body. It was too much mass for me. I don't know that how much he can actually gain. So you kind of have to start thinking like if he can, let's say he can max out at 300, 305 and look really good. Like, what position does that afford him in the National Football League, or at least with the Green Bay Packers offense? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I really like what he's done at tackle. I think it affords him to be a little bit more on the 260-pound guys rather than the 320-pound guys, which I think is advantageous yeah. for him. He looks more natural out there. I don't know. It, a lot of it's going to depend on Bakhtiari and what happens with that, which we'll maybe just discuss in a second here. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued at where he ends up. And I, I, but I don't know. I've just really liked him at tackle. Um, so far, but we'll see where he ends up. Also want to talk about Elton Jenkins in this game. I think you had tweeted it out, but I thought this was uh, his best game uh, of 2022 so far. To me, this was the first time that Elton kind of looked like Elton, again, with the caveat that it's this Bears defensive front. But um, yeah. I just thought his movement was a little bit better. It seemed like he trusted his knee a little bit more. Um, you, you had the one play where he, I, I think he did a double-handed punch, but um, actually kind of jarred the guy back with some violent hands. Like, I don't know. I just This just looked a little bit more like Elton Jenkins to me. It's good to see that he's continuing to progress. I think people take for granted how difficult it is to come back from an ACL. We've talked about it before, switching yep. sides and all the whole drama that went in the beginning of the season. That was a, you know, looking back, it's easy for us to say this. I think we said this earlier too, though. Like that was a bad decision. You shouldn't have put him at right tackle. Agreed. You, know, you, you don't, you don't, you don't rehab a guy from an ACL, then make him switch over to the other side of the ball, then make him change positions. Like it's just too much. And I, I'm glad he's in the right position now. I'm glad he's 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 going to be a high-level left guard, I think, for the remainder of his career. He's only going to get better. It's always nice to have these – this is not a layup game, but it's always nice to have games against guys who nobody knows who they are, right? And these – I mean, let's face it, the, the defensive tackles for the Chicago Bears aren't winning any awards. Um, but he he's tends to do better when guys are uh, reading and not attacking. He tends to do better when, when, when you guys have to move and kind of – he gets to use his athleticism versus trying to get up in his face immediately because of the way he sets. He still sets really high. So those guys that want to really just kind of get into his body quickly are going to give him a little more trouble. But he's a phenomenal athlete. He does a good job of redirecting. He does a good job meshing up with the center or the, or, or the tackle, depending on what, the, what it calls for. And um, 
he's like I said, he's only going to get better. That ACL injury uh, really did a number on him, and you're just glad to see he's headed in the right direction for sure. Yeah, very much so. I uh, just love look, you know, seeing him look the way that we're you know you you know used to seeing him play. To to go back to your right tackle comment, I totally agree. The one thing I will say is, since Elton came into the league. He basically has shown like, hey, put me at center, guard, tackle, doesn't matter. I can play wherever, and you just almost don't have to worry about that position. So I can kind of understand Green Bay's thinking of like, hey, we need a right tackle. Um, we think this guy can do it. And like everything else that we've asked him to do in his career, he's done, whether he's a rookie, mm -hmm. didn't matter who he was going against, didn't matter what position he was playing. Like I thought for sure, like, all right, Elton, right tackle, set it and forget it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. It was very apparent early on that that was not the case. And you wondered if it was just going to be Russ and he was going to be able to settle in. I'm happy that they made the change midway through. The, the results have been night and day difference from him at left guard and right tackle. Um, I appreciate the fact that they course corrected. I do think, as you mentioned, it is a mistake in hindsight, especially coming off the ACL. But I also understand the um, just the freak show that he's been and being able to play everywhere and not have to worry about him and, and maybe thinking that, hey, we can probably put him there too off of ACL. It won't matter. He's just He's that good, but it just didn't work out that way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, everyone's, you know, these are, when you have a good player, you can kind of project him in a lot of different places, right? I, I, I base my thought process on two things. One, you're coming off, most importantly, you're coming off a, a serious knee injury and you don't know how you're going to respond to it. Yep. And so you don't have all of that prep time to, to relearn a new position. And two, if you're looking over the course of this guy's career, like wh what, do you tr what are we trying to prove? That he can do it or that he's, that's his best position? Because if, it's yeah. his, be if his best position, which I think everybody at this point would agree, it's easy now, is left guard, then what the hell are you doing at right tackle? You know, yeah, you, because you okay. because you can do it, you should that like that really doesn't make sense. If you've got a guy who you think can be an elite level player at a certain position, you don't move him just because you can. But I, I, I get the sentiment and I understand where you're coming from. That's just that's kind of the way I think about things. No, I think you're right on this one. And we probably should have seen it coming a little bit more. And it's like it's uh, I don't even know the right metaphor here. But if a guy's really good at left guard and then comes back off of a torn ACL, like maybe let him get back on the bike at left guard a little bit first yeah. before before you start doing a bunch of crazy things with him and moving around. Let's just get him back to the fundamentals and then maybe start seeing what he can uh, stretch to after that. All right, that brings us to David Bakhtiari because we, we sort of uh, hinted at this and, and talked about it, at, I think, at the end of the last time we talked. Um, but with his, you know, kind of a, a very important contract decision coming up, Brian Gutekunst was asked about it this week. 
Um, he said basically that's a, an off-season decision, off-season discussion, but did make the comment of, you know, really good, or I think he said like really good left tackle, great left tackles, whatever it was, uh, don't grow on trees, which is obviously the case. It should be pointed out that when Bakhtiari's been in the game, in my opinion, he's been easily the Packers' best offensive lineman uh, when he's been in there. However, he's been their best player. Yeah, but yeah, that's actually probably even a better way of yeah. saying it. Um, he is going to be 32 years old next year. He's had multiple knee issues, <clears throat> not just the torn ACL, but other things that have gone wrong. He had an instance this year of waking up on game day and his knee just wasn't good enough to go, and he didn't play uh, in that game. Uh, it did seem like he made strides, um, you know, playing in the Thursday night game right after the Sunday game, um, in which he had no issues getting through those games. I don't think, obviously, the appendectomy affects anything in this conversation whatsoever. Um, but this is a player that they're going to be investing, um, you know, over $30 million in, uh, you know, money to over the next two seasons uh, if they want to continue on with him. I think this is a very interesting discussion for the Packers. I think a lot of it's probably tied what happens with Aaron Rodgers and if he comes back or not. Um, but what are your, and I, I know you kind of spoiled it a little bit last week, but your thoughts on what they should do with David Bakhtiari moving forward. And just to be clear, because I don't know the numbers. Do you know what you know what he's set to earn over the next two seasons, Andy? Yeah, so it's a little bit complicated. So he's set to make sixty-two million over the next two seasons. However, um, about twenty-three million of that is already guaranteed and paid for. So um, it basically equates to about thirty-nine million um, over the next two years. Uh, so so 20, twenty million a year. 20 million a year that they haven't paid already. So basically they'd be you know, re-signing him to a two-year, $40 million deal if that's what they wanted to do. Okay, so let's just like let's make it simple economics. David Bakhtiari, caveat, win healthy, is one of the top three tackles in the National Football League right now. Agreed. Win healthy. Um, $20 million a year is is not anywhere near what he would get paid market value for a for a two year deal. Aaron Rodgers has at best two years left. Probably, you know, if you start kind of thinking about how that's going to project, which is a whole another conversation. But but Aaron is Aaron is going to play better with Bakhtiari on the team for a number of reasons. Not only on the field, you don't have anyone near as good as he is. What he brings to that room, I can't imagine in terms of leadership and professionalism. And the way he handles his business. Um, this is one of those, if it's me, if it's me, you do not get rid of that kind of talent. You just hope like hell that he can play. I mean, you do everything you can to make sure he can play, but we, he's shown it. I mean, he he is the best offensive player they have when he's on the field this this season. And that's with all the injuries, with all the mispractices, with all everything. He is the best offensive player they've had. I'm sure he's graded out the highest. And because of that, you really have to consider that not a bargain by any means, but a necessary evil because it's one of the most important positions in, in football. I think that's the best way you could have possibly put it, a necessary evil. And that's why I say I think it's tied to Aaron Rodgers. I think if this team has any – you know, real aspirations of trying to go for it one or two more years with Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Like you're already so far um, into the negative in future years that you've borrowed from, from future years. Um, you don't have, you don't have a lot of avenues to just get high end talent. They should have a, a pretty good draft pick this year. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get a great player that can come in and contribute right away out of it. Um, they're not going to have free agent money to, to kind of go out and spend and, you know, lure free agents in. 
And like you said, if Bakhtiari is healthy, that two-year $39 million deal is actually a hell of a bargain um, for that type of player. So I, I think it is probably a necessary evil if they go in that direction where you just pay it and bite your tongue and hope like heck he stays healthy. I know that general managers are like their constant like risk advisors of like trying to figure out what's the right risk reward in every situation and knowing that this knee is an issue that any given Sunday, and I know it's the same for every player, but there's multiple red flags with this player that on any Sunday, it could be just not good enough to go, or it could just be, you know, a three week thing, a five week thing, a 12 week thing. And you just don't know. So I think there's a lot of risk involved in this player. And it wouldn't shock me if green Bay decided they didn't want to take that risk, but um, it's a really interesting discussion. And I'm very, very intrigued to see what direction they go with it. I just remember my last year in the national football league, uh, I was with Seattle, <clears throat> and at some point, all five offensive linemen, including Walt Jones, were, went to IR. I believe he went to IR the game after we played on Thanksgiving, and he was uh, he, he was playing on one leg. DeMarcus Ware got two sacks on him. He had to go to IR. He never played another snap, I believe. But Seattle understood what who Walt Jones was. And I'm not saying that David's Walt Jones. Walt Jones is different. But David's pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, he's Hall of Fame good, right? right. Like, Walt Jones is in his own room by like almost by himself. He's like, Walt Jones was that good. But my point is the next year, Seattle was happy to pay Walt Jones's exorbitant salary in the hopes that he would, could at some point come back. And whether it was a good decision or bad decision, like for the, it, yeah, it, it's very understandable in, in hindsight because you just go, there's, there's literally nobody else like him. And, I mean, Andy, like who that who's coming to Green Bay next year on free agent deal that's Nobody. that good to, to play for Aaron? Because again, you now you're going back to with Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers. He's gonna say, like, dude, it is it that window is pretty much closed. You might get a couple defensive guys, but I think that window is closed for offensive lineman skill position guys, like high, high-end players. Not that they'd even open it, but I, I don't know that anybody would even want to come because you don't know who's your quarterback. Totally agreed. Let, let me uh, let me ask you this too. I don't. It's not necessarily this situation, but there is going to be a lot of money that's going to be involved in these players. Let's say you had a choice between Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari next offseason. Jenkins is going to be an unrestricted free agent, and you needed the money to sign Jenkins. The, the only way you could clear that up would be to move on from Bakhtiari. What would be your decision, Bakhtiari or Jenkins? Um, I really respect both players. I'll start with by saying that I think they're both better than I ever was, but I I would wow. take Bakhtiari. It's it's not even uh it's it's not even an issue with me because I don't think I just think Bakhtiari is is there's very very few players that are like you know what we just call them you know force multipliers game changers like Elgin Jenkins is a very very good NFL football player. You could bring in. I mean, I can I can sit here and close my eyes and go. Well, Zach Tom can play that position. He might not be as good, but he's pretty good. Like he can be pretty good. Or I can put JRJ back there and, and, and try to find a right guard. They could. You you just can't do that with Bakhtiari. There's just nobody that they're going to bring in that's anywhere near him. Zach Tom plays next year. We talked about he could start. Yeah, he could start at left tackle, and he could probably do a good job. But he's no. I mean, it's yeah. I'm talking apples and oranges, man. This is nothing like it. I know. I. I agree with you on that aspect. It's <laughs> this whole, excuse me, this whole off season is going to be really interesting, Mike. Really, really interesting. If I say one more thing, if yeah. I'm Elgin Jenkins, I'm leaving. And I, I, it's a no brainer because he is going to command a, an absolute dump truck of money from, from like 
you know, one of these, you know, third tier teams. He's going to get a dump truck full of money. He's worth it. He's yeah. absolutely, he's box office player. But I'm just saying for me, the value of David Bakhtiari is very, very unique. There's only a handful of guys that are that valuable to their team. And he's one of them. I think Elton's going to get over 20 per year. Uh, ESPN yes. has him listed as the third best free agent available for any position this off season. Like you said, some team's going to have a, you know, butt ton of money and just go like, yeah. Here you go. And he's the Green Bay's see, not going to be able you, to match it. You see what Brandon, Brandon, and I don't know that he's as good as Brandon. Sure. I don't think he's, yep, I talked I about him. He, he's, he's not as good as Brandon. But Brandon just got an absolute dump. Yep. He, they, he backed the truck up to the bank, right? To go to Jacksonville. And he's worth it. He's worth every penny of that money. What he does to the team on the field, what he does in the locker room, his prep, I, he's worth every penny. And if somebody sees that in, in Jenkins, which I think they will, he's going to get at least get that kind of money. And that is, I mean, you know, when you're when your great grandkids don't have to work, man, that's a different conversation. <laughs> totally agreed. As we wrap things up today, Mike, I want to ask you, what are you still hoping that this Packers team can accomplish with likely only four games left uh, in the season? Well, what are they? Five and eight. So the best thing they can come out is nine and eight. You look at their schedule. I think it's like Rams, which is probably. A, I mean, Baker Mayfield might play. That'd be awesome. But then I know they play the Vikings and the Lions, and I think what's their other game? Uh, it's, it's a hard game. Dolphins. Yeah. Dolphin, yeah, it's the Dolphins. There's, there, you could go two and two. You could go one and three. You could go four and. I mean, you kind of look at that in the way they've been playing. Most of those teams are going to put up some points, right? The last three of those teams are going to put up some points, and so um, they better. It, it would be nice to think that you could win out. I think what I would look for right now is I would be doing a a really hard dive into what our areas of opportunity are. And is it a personnel issue or is it a coaching issue? And Mark Murphy, well, I like, do they still, do they still kind of, are they still independent advisors to so they, they both answer separately? Like that's where I'm right now. I'm, I'm, my mind has just been going jigsaw a little bit with how does the Jordan Love situation, all these guys that you're going like some of these players, is it a personnel thing? Is it a coaching thing? Like, you'd love to say that we don't have the personnel and to blame Goody for getting rid of Z or this and that and the other. But, like, aside from his third-round draft picks that everybody puts out on Twitter, like, he's done a pretty good job. The team's pretty good, you know? And so I yeah. just – I we've gone back to this a million times. I think the hard question for the Packers is if they can't right the ship in the next four games, is that a reflection of the coaching staff and the culture they have right now, right? Or is it a reflection of – they need better players. And if if it's the former, what are you going to do about it? I, I mean, and I think I've, we've talked about it. I, I've thought that way for a year. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's going to, I think these next four games are definitely going to be a referendum on uh, what this team needs to do this upcoming offseason. Like, here's the thing, right? Like, as we just talked about, they're not going to have a ton of money to spend. They're going to lose a lot of guys on this team. They're not going to be able to bring, a, you know, free agents in of note. They're going to bring, you'll be able to bring in a couple guys like your Devondre Campbells or Sammy Watkins or, you know, Jared Valdeer, some guys that you hope you get a couple hits on, or Razul Douglas and a couple guys that are probably going to miss. Um, you can bring in a couple guys like that. They're going to lose a lot of guys and um, they're going to have to be focused on the draft again. So their ability to just go out and write blank checks and bring in your Darius Preston, Turner, Amos type offseason, that's non-existent anymore. They've spent that money. Um, So it's going to have to kind of be evaluated from within and whether that's a new defensive coordinator, whether that's, you know, new coaches to get these players playing at the level that they need to, whatever that is. 
um, they're going to have to make changes, because, you know, probably from a, a coaching standpoint and a operation standpoint, because they can't really make it on the player side other than just drafting, which it, you know, it's fine. This is what this team's done forever. But we also know that takes time for those guys to come in and usually make an impact. So it's going to be interesting. Oh, go ahead. No, I just have, I, I have one question for you. I'm just thinking about you know, on both sides of the ball. If you were going to say, okay, I would think that Devonder Campbell and Russell Douglas came in and, and, and overachieved last year. And I could, I could make the argument they've reverted to the mean. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I could, I could also say that Adam Stenovich's line of 2021 overachieved last year. And now they reverted to the mean. Agreed. Okay. So those two questions right there, like if you, if you say, um, we have to answer two questions about this team. You could ask the why to those two questions. And if they can answer those questions, and I don't know what you think about those as far as what the answers are, but if you can answer those questions, you could probably figure out what the problem is. My first answer would be that Razul and, and Devondre were in one-year deals last year with needing to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're not. They got. They got their. They got paid. I'm not fat, saying that fat and happy. Yes, exactly. Right. Yep. Um, obviously, Devondre's injury probably plays. You know, a little bit of a factor. But even pre-injury, didn't look the same. Um, so yeah, and I think offensive line. That's a. It's a really great question. I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that. Uh, you know, obviously, you move Stanovich away to the offensive coordinator position. I think that's affected things a little bit. I just think also guys just haven't played as well. I don't think John Runyon Jr.'s played as well. I don't think Josh Myers has played as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 complicated, but I, I agree. I think those are things that need to be looked into. And the other thing I would say is like, can you just fix one thing in these last four games? Like, can you just fi- like can you work on tackling for these next four games? Like, some of that will carry over, right? Like, it's a great, just, it's a great point. Just find one thing. Just find or, one, or thing. at least, or at least put it in to the structure of your practice. So, it, because it's like you're there, you're there every day. I'm not. It doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like it's a priority. Can we yeah. at least prioritize it? And we talk about it all the time. And you see it in the you see it like in a quote on the wall when you're walking down to the defensive meeting room. Can we prioritize that that one thing? It might not get fixed, but can you can you demonstrate you that you're prioritizing something? Right? Yeah, I, I love I love the point you made. Yeah, totally agreed, Mike. Phenomenal stuff as always. Uh, tell us about the podcast and where we can find you on Twitter and social media. Yeah, check out on my Black Packers podcast with myself and Packers all-time Andy Rusher, Amon Green. You can check that out on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com blackcast process to perform or on any uh, any podcast. We do a ton of video breakdown on that. I also do a block party on Tuesdays where, like, for example, last week, you might like this one. We did Ikki Aquanu and Just Andrew Thomas, the, the standout left tackles. And it's like, it's super interesting because I break down things by process. So What's it's you? It's nuts to see like what an out like a PFF or all those different things. So the way they think about and the way they grade things, and then you start looking at what the requirements of all these different linemen are and what they're actually asked to do and, and who's around them. And it's it's I think it's super interesting. I'm kind of a, a line nerd, but uh, check that out on our on our uh, YouTube.com access process to perform as well. Check me out at Michael68 on Twitter and uh, TikTok. I can tell you, you're focused on technique and process PFF mm-hmm. is just focused in, in like what went into that, who they're playing against, what their responsibility was on a play. PFF is focused on, did he win the rep? That's it. Okay, he- so, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's super interesting, right? Cause the way I do things is completely scheme agnostic and, yep. and opponent okay. agnostic. it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. And, and because 
because you can look at, like, for example, uh, Iki Aquanu and Andrew Thomas, both of those guys were playing against backups the entire game. Montez Sweat got hurt, like, in the third, third play of the game or something like that. So they were both playing against backups the entire game. Bradley Chubb's gone, Randy Gregory's gone to the Broncos, and then they, they were playing the, the Giants playing the Commanders. They didn't have any of their, their starters. But you can still see why things are happening and how they could be affected if you were playing against top guys. What happens is that you – PFF – or and I got on this thing with I got on this uh, tangent with somebody else yesterday. Sorry, but yeah. PFF and the services. The issue is they don't really know why that player, if the player won or lost the rep. For example, if I'm block, if I have you locked out and the quarterback runs into me and you and hits you and falls down, I did not give up a sack. Absolutely. But on PFF, I did, and yeah, that and that is that is a problem. That's why me and PFF don't always agree on uh, grades every week, to say the least. If there's 21 other people on the field that affect the outcome of the play, you can only focus on what you can control. And so we just really want to understand if you're doing that the right way, and then we can kind of take care of everything else. If you do it, if you do it any other way, I think it's it just it just becomes difficult, right? Because it becomes very very subjective. Totally agreed. Mike, amazing stuff as always. I will talk to you next week. Uh, We'll start previewing Packers-Rams, the Baker-Mayfield matchup everyone's dying to see. Um, (laughs) We will talk next week, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go! Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.